Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I always find myself in these cycles where like I have this big dream, then I get to the thing and it's like I have to battle the imposter syndrome while I'm in the thing, build my confidence while I'm in the thing, feel secure in that confidence. Three, two, one. My name is Spree Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast, follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. My name is Marissa Honig, and I am one of the guest hosts for the podcast. I'm based out of Denver, Colorado, and I'm currently the technical assistant to the CTO at ThoughtWorks, and I also host my own podcast called Blossoming Technologist. I am so excited to be joined today by Chelsea Elise Cocking, a media artist and product designer in the Future Sketches group at the MIT Media Lab based out of Boston, Massachusetts. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yay, that was a really good intro. (laughs) (laughs) So excited to have you here. So we always like to start with, tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do. Okay, well, let's see, where do I start? This could be a long story. Well, I mean, I always start by saying I'm from Jamaica because I am. Um, Born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica. And then, yeah, kind of ventured over to the United States for college. And I, I would say through my education is just how I kind of grew into the field of user experience design or um, research for computational arts or interaction design or um, human-centered computing. And yeah, that kind of that amalgamation has formed what I am today. So I am a product designer um, and also a computational media artist. So that's like a fancy way of saying um, I make art with code. And I also design software for us to use. So yeah, I would say that's kind of the the like amalgamation of myself and my titles. But yeah. Yeah. So when did you first become interested in tech? In tech? Oh, when did I? Well, I mean, I would say I was kind of like pushed into tech just by my father. Um, so my dad, my dad's an engineer. He, I mean, he's an engineer by study in college and then became a, a banker in life. Um, but he did civil engineering at Howard University. 
Um, and my mom was a lawyer, but I think my whole family was very big on education. And my dad was also very big on having us go towards education that will also, I guess, in his mind, be able to sustain a life of like providing for yourself. So he pushed me and my brother towards like the sciences and engineering a lot. But I also very much so fought to keep the art side of me. So I would say I was I got introduced to tech um, literally by applying to Georgia Tech. Um, so when I was looking for colleges to attend, I was kind of looking for majors that combined both um, art and some sort of engineering and then computational media um, at Georgia Tech, which combines computer science, digital media and design is kind of the was the landing spot um, for me. But I mean, even even before that, like in high school, I studied the sciences, like my high school subjects were like physics, math, chemistry, biology, but then also um, technical drawing which is like kind of like studying how, you know, architects would actually like draw with like a T-square on like a drafting board and like um, art, like actual just art painting, um, sculpting, things like that. So I think it was kind of just through high school and led into led into college more solidly. That's how I got introduced to it. Yeah. So I'd love to hear more of your journey after after maybe Georgia Tech, you studied computational media. After that, where did you go? And then how did you end up at the MIT Media Lab? Yeah, winding winding route. Um, after Georgia Tech, so I went to, to work as a product designer or a UX designer, um, whichever title you want to call it, at a startup um, in New York City called Honest Buildings. And I got that connection from um, a friend of mine who was actually my um, intern mentor when I interned in um, UX at Goldman Sachs. So while I was in college, I did an internship at Goldman. Um, she essentially reached out to me as I was graduating over Facebook, actually. and was like, hey, I'm at the startup now and we're looking for new designers. Um, and it was it was a small design team. Um, it was like, I think I made five people. <laughs> um, so it was a very small design team. I think I was like the 60th employee or something at that company. Um, and yeah, so after I graduated, my options for full-time work were essentially doing that UX job at a startup or actually going into management consulting at Accenture. Um, I chose product design because I really wanted to do design. And I don't, I don't think, I think it was a good choice in hindsight. Um, I didn't think I wanted to go the route of management consulting. And if I did, I would have just wound my way back into design somehow. So I chose that route. And then after um, working there for almost two years, um, the company got acquired by um, a larger company. So it was bought um, and merged into that company. Um, but I was also looking for new opportunities. Like I felt a bit um, stagnant in my growth there. So I was just kind of trying to find new opportunities for myself in product design um, and found Dropbox, uh, opening at Dropbox. And yeah, interviewed there. Thankfully, they really went well. Um, initially, actually, when I first got the offer, it had fallen through because of the company um, had a re big reorganization. So the headcount for the role left. Um, but six months later, I was still job searching and they got back in touch with me and they're like, we have an opening. So thankfully, I ended up there. I had an amazing time. Really loved working there. The design team there um, is great. Okay. And then after that, you decide to go to grad school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. That. I forgot. That. How do like, you where get are you now? Part? Yeah. <laughs> where am I? Yeah. So this is like, okay. So yeah, this is, again, about two years at Dropbox. I think the thing that, the thing that really got me to grad school was, I think 
after graduating tech, in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew I wanted to go back to grad school because my senior year at Georgia Tech um, was the year I got to like work as an undergraduate research assistant in a research group there called, at the time, it was called the Adaptive Digital Media Laboratory, but now they rebranded and their name is Expressive Machinery Lab. Um, so it, it's literally like a um, human computer interaction research lab that does research around computing and creativity. So computing and music, computing and dance, computing and um, like teaching education in fun ways. Like if you know about the program Air Sketch that came out of that lab, which is like a, a program that teaches kids how to code, but through like the lens of music and like music production. So that was like the first experience of me seeing a lab that did that. And it was kind of also like a, a mind blowing experience for me. It was like, I can't, like, wow, I can't believe people do this. <laughs> um, but that was also my senior year. And I was kind of on the trajectory of graduating. And I was like, I need to get a job. <laughs> like, I need to move on with life. Um, so that's, the seed is always in the back of my brain. And then I would say really during the pandemic and also just like the life experience of like trying to get adjusted to like living in a new city, going through, I think people don't talk about like the after college, like, mental like adjustment enough um, <laughs> like I was going through that adjustment for like all of the four years I was in New York and I think that thing of like wanting to go back to grad school was always in the back of my mind throughout that process um, and then during the pandemic everything just came to a halt and um, I was still working but now working from home in my apartment in New York went through the pandemic in New York City and it was just kind of like this thing of me having to find, again, after that mental slump, having to find the self-belief in myself to feel like, you know, you, you can go back to grad school. Like for some reason, I just felt like if I applied or if I tried, it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> like for some reason, that's like, that's how I felt. Um, and I kind of even felt like that even, even pre, like pre-job box. Like I feel like I was just kind of in a very stagnated part of my life, like I was mentioning. Um, and then I actually went to my brother who also lived in New York at the time, who's my older brother. And I was just kind of telling him all of these, like how I'm feeling. Like I, like, I just felt stuck. I didn't really have, honestly didn't have belief in myself. I don't know. I don't know what in hindsight now I'm like, what was I going through? I'm not sure. But um, he basically just kind of like slapped me over the head. <laughs> not, not literally like metaphorically. <laughs> and he was like, like, get yourself together. Like you, he, it was just kind of the thing of um, you have to, take your career into your own hands you can't wait for someone to hand the like advancement to you um in a way and I guess it was like the me like feeling like okay if I just go to get a job after college I do everything right at that job then obviously career progression would come and that's not how it works <laughs> um and I mean I guess in like a, a great unicorn world that should be how it works but I mean that's not how it was working out for me um and that's just not there's so many things around that like just play into career advancement that just you know yeah it could be a lot so it was just kind of like he was just kind of like stop waiting for other people to hand opportunities to you go find them yourself um and that kind of woke me up to say okay one let me let me do the things that I think I need to do which is one find a new product design job which is when I started looking for other opportunities which led to Dropbox but then also to apply to grad school you've always wanted to um believe that you can and just do it. So then I actually started like studying for the GRE and like doing all the things that you need to do. Yeah. And that's what kind of 
got me out of that slump. But then also in the middle of the pandemic, it kind of allowed for, well, it was just kind of like you had, in a way, you just had more time on your hands, like, because you're just inside. Um, So one of the like intermediary steps between like me, one, applying to new jobs and also like applying to grad school and doing all the things I need to do to like get to that graduate school. Because I mean, in between you applying to a graduate school and going, there's a year in between. So I was like working for that year and also just had that year in between. Um, And also, I think the first time I applied, I didn't get into the schools that I wanted to. So I had like another year, especially with the pandemic. Like I wasn't like, I think when I had applied, it was the beginning of the pandemic and everyone was like, oh, this will end in like six months. And that was not the case. (laughs) So it was like a two year delay um, as well. So like I had kind of all that time working at Dropbox and then also um, decided to use that extra time that I kind of had being in my apartment to go to a school in New York actually online because the pandemic allowed for them. Well, I, I hate to say allowed because the pandemic was like a tragedy, but like a uh, result of the pandemic was that they switched to online classes um, instead of being like a in-person school that you had to like go on like a three month residency for and basically like leave your job and like go be at the school for like three months. Um, so it was much easier to access it. Just do like an online class in the afternoon. And the school is called um, the school for what the school for poetic computation. So it's a school that basically teaches like art and technology, creative coding, um, and also creative hardware and just like exploration of computing in like an artistic and poetic way. Um, And for me, I hadn't been, again, always, you know, wanting to go to grad school, always, you know, wanting to get back into computational art. But for the past, like almost four years that it's been, haven't been coding. I've just been designing. Um, So it was like, my way of figuring out you know one how to get back into it and kind of to do like a safe test in like a safe space because it's a very explorational school it's for all levels it's about just like having the space to experiment and explore so kind of having a safe space a safe space to just say okay let me try this again and figure out if i really want to do it and figure out if i feel confident enough to do it and to code again and to da 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 all these things so i did it it was great. I loved it. <laughs> and actually, that was how I found out about my current lab at the Media Lab, because the professor who I was taking the class with had announced in the at the time it was a Slack channel that his lab at the Media Lab was accepting students for the first time. Um, so he was like putting it out the word out there to apply. Um, so, yeah, that's how I found it. I applied, got waitlisted. But then got in. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> what a journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, School of Poetic Computation sounds so cool. I need to check that out afterwards. Um, but yeah, I would love to dig into more of like what the MIT Media Lab does. I know I've heard about it a bunch of times and I think it's a really cool lab from what I've seen and heard of. Um, so what what is the MIT Media Lab? Like, what do they specialize in? What kinds of projects go on there? Yeah, that is the existential question that I think even people at the Media Lab are figuring out. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I mean, the Media Lab is one of, I would say, I would make the claim that it's one of the few places where you have people from multiple dif- disciplines in engineering, science, art, and design basically coming together in their fields to research and to experiment um, and to innovate. So the lab itself 
it's kind of like, so the media lab itself is kind of like home to multiple labs that do multiple different things. So you have labs that range from biology to labs that range to architecture, to space, to education, to music, to computational art, like my lab. So it's a wide range of people from a wide range of disciplines. And each lab has its own focus, but it's kind of this place where all of these people from these different backgrounds can come together for their interests, whether that interest is in like a space group or it's in a, um, you know, communications group or it's in an art group or it's in a music group. But you're in these groups and you essentially come together to research around those topics. But it's one of the only places that I know of like where, for example, I was doing like a class project that required like a lot of like electronics hardware experience, never done in any hardware based stuff in my life. But it's a place where like I can just hop into Slack and be like, hey, can someone help me? (laughs) Like can can like a like a sensor hardware electronic person just like help me real quick to figure out how do I do this? And then, you know, a few minutes later, someone will be like, oh, you need this. And then I can like put it together. (laughs) Um, So. Yeah, it's, it's a really unique place. Um, I would say the lab is like historically known for, again, the media lab. So it's like known for a lot of work in like digital media, um, human computer interaction, uh, design, um, art as well, like innovations in art and technology. And yeah. It's a very interesting place. <laughs> so cool. I hope I described it well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think you did it justice. So you're part of the Future Sketches group. What does that involve? What kinds of projects have you done? Yeah, so the Future Sketches group essentially studies code as a creative medium for art and design. So essentially we look at like the intersection of artifacts and tools. So artifacts meaning, you know, the artworks that we make ourselves and then tools, meaning, you know, the tools that exist out there for computational craft or computational creativity or like making through computing and kind of like this intersection of like computing art and design. So that's kind of where our research falls. So like that interest bubble is kind of what like drives all of the students in the group. There's four of us, four students, plus our advisor, Zach Lieberman. And yeah, so that's kind of the the, the common thread that drives us all. But like that, like. It, it can be so like wide, like for example, like I love doing, exploring computational art for like visual arts and also like performing arts and performance and how um, like you can use like the body in computational art for like interactive artwork. And then like we have another student who just like loves looking at um, literally like algorithms, like understanding algorithms in like the deepest way for computational art. And there's another student who's very interested in like typography and another student who's very interested in like architecture and like physical product design but like all under this realm of like how compute how can computing assist that um how can you use computing to assist that and then also um how can we teach it so like what are again like our advisor is an educator so like what are like i would say in my opinion more fun experimental ways to teach computing and make it approachable and experimental and creative but yeah i, was, I would say that's kind of the, the the ethos of the group but yeah Oh, that's so cool. Um, I know your art has been featured in a bunch of places. Can you talk about where your art was featured, maybe what that art was? Yeah, so um, the project that was featured is called Photorhythms. So it's the first project that I did back at the Media Lab um, when I first joined, to just kind of get the creative coding juices flowing. Um, 
And essentially, it's a project that looks at portrait photography, but then looks at kind of the question, you know, of like, what can computing do to like make this more expressive or um, like augment it in some way? So it uses um, facial recognition to get the 68 points of the face that we can detect, at least through the facial recognition software that I'm using. It gives 68 points. Um, and then using those points of the face to then basically just have fun, honestly, and like sketch, quote unquote, we call it like computational sketches, so like um, creating a different code based sketch every time. So like usually I'd actually start by hand sketching, like a visual output that I want to see and then figuring out, OK, how can I do that in code and then coding it? But then also just like letting the process of like iteration just happen and being like, OK, let's figure out how to approach this. Let's try this. If something happens in the code that I didn't expect, I'm like, oh, that could be interesting. So just kind of like coding all of these different outputs of like augmented photography um, based on like the face. So, yeah, that's the project that was displayed um, in a public exhibition um, with Standard Vision in Los Angeles. So they um, displayed it around L.A. Um, Standard Vision. They make like these amazingly huge like LED immersive screens that it can be used inside in, in a studio and also outside as like a billboard in, in public space. So they very graciously <laughs> um, chose me and approached me for um, being a part of like their public art artistic showcase that they do one artist every month. So there's actually, there's actually another artist up there now in December. Mine was in November um, and they displayed the work around billboards around um, LA, which is great. Um, and I feel like a, a very a very young artist, like kind of making her way now since like entering into this fair. So I'm very grateful to them for like being kind of one of my first exhibitions really. Um, so yeah. That's so cool. Did you get a chance to go see it in person? I did not. I was so sad. <laughs> I did not. November was a heavy time. It was very heavy, but a couple of people like um, took pictures of it in real life and like tagged me on Instagram. Um, so it was cool to like at least see it in like a, in real life photo um but unfortunately i could not i had a lot of obligations to meet and i couldn't i couldn't travel out there but yeah just means next time there's gonna be another time, next time. you'll have to yeah. go <laughs> i will have to yeah yeah oh okay so cool i'm also curious because it's it's interesting to hear how you kind of know what parts of you know computation art and design you're interested in. You kind of have your own little part there. How did you figure that out? How did you know you know this is what I want to focus on? Yeah, a culmination of things. I think again, one being that that year um, that I was at the Expressive Machinery Lab at Tech. So um, while I was an undergraduate um, research assistant there, the class, I also took a class there. So I also took for one of my CM credits, it was like a bachelor's, master's combined class. And it was called, um, I think it was called Georgia Tech Arts Practicum Studio. It was like a technical arts practicum studio that was led over two semesters. So it's two classes over two semesters. And it was led by the head of that, of the Expressive Machinery Lab, Dr. Brian McGurko. But this was a class that I took to satisfy basically my CM degree. Um, but it was an amazing class. It was a class where essentially... It was a collaboration between the CM and DM students at Georgia Tech and local artists around Atlanta. So five different local artists in a studio, um, iJum, if I'm remembering correctly, iJum Art Gallery in Atlanta. And essentially, like the first semester was us meeting each other and going through these like crazy experimental like um, projects around just like computing and art and like coming together and merging the disciplines and 
I very like luckily and coincidentally got matched me and two of the CM students got matched with um the the, the dancer one of the so there's like two visual artists a dancer um I believe a a writer a writer like a written artist um and we luckily got matched with the dancer by chance um and I grew up dancing as a hobby when I was younger it was like the extracurricular thing that I would do <laughs> um so it was awesome to like four way back into dance vicariously through someone else after like not doing it since joining college I haven't danced since I was like 18 years old but it was like this awesome serendipitous thing and like the first time I ever like actually made a media art project for dance and like the final project is was all of our final projects were displayed at um iDrum and the final project that um me and two of the CM students did um Bella um and Jackson was um essentially a live dance performance that Bella and two of the dancers that she had choreographed dance and we were live tracking their movements like create like a visualization and just kind of like projected the visualization in space while they were dancing so that people could see like what was being made from their movement in a way and it was like it was a crazy experience to even like realize that could be done that like artists and technologists could work together in that way to realize how hard it is to do that. Like there are so many things that went wrong on the night of the exhibition, but it was like, and and basically just went wrong in the middle of the performance and it just kind of broke, <laughs> but it was still like a, a, a amazing learning experience, the whole thing. Um, and just like execute it from like beginning to end, like the three of us and the artist, um, obviously with the advisement of the professor, but it was like, it was our project. Like we were the ones doing it, leading it, presenting on it every week, like presenting on our progress, pivoting, figuring out how to make it work when something wasn't working, all this thing. It was like a mini studio, like on the fly. Um, that was like a, a crazy experience. And it was like, this is this is so fun. This is what I want to do. But it was like, again, I was graduating. So but that was the thing that like that was the thing that started that idea in my brain. And I think it just stuck with me for all of those years. And then when I came back to the lab and I was like, you know, what do I want to do? And like her great advice of like, you know, great artists kind of like find their their area, the, the kind of like their empty vacuum in space where like almost nothing exists. Like things can exist, obviously that influence that, but like it still needs more. And like they find that vacuum and that like, contribute to that space. So that was the space I ended up in just by like interest. And I guess that idea never leaving my brain um, from that experience. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool to hear about, you know, that intersection between computation and art, just because, like, you know, if you're if you're a developer, you might not touch art as much. Or if you're just an, just an artist, you might not touch computation very much. But then when you blend it together, it's like something really beautiful that you can make out of it. It's just fun. And it makes me happy. I remember like my first my, honestly, I, I my first software engineer, I had a software engineering internship. And honestly, I hated it because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like what I was like making code for. I was like, I don't care about this. <laughs> like, I don't care about, I think I was like making like a maintenance dashboard for something. And I was like, I don't, I don't care about this. I don't care about like coding is hard. Okay. Like coding is very hard and it hurts my brain, but it's a challenge. Um, and it will always, I think it will always be a challenge because you always have something to, new to like pick up eventually, even after you've like done something. And it's like, I want to go through the challenge for doing something that I really care about <laughs> and like actually care about the output on the other end. So it was like, 
software engineering just for like anything was not the thing for me, but like software engineering for like creating through like myself and like expressing work through myself was like, that's great. And like, that was like, I was like, I want to do that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's inspiring because, you know, a lot of people sometimes leave tech or leave, you know, software development because they don't enjoy it. But I think there's so many other parts of software development that you can get into or other industries or like, you know, the intersection of art and computation, stuff like that, where like, I'm just hoping people are listening and being like, oh man, like if you don't like software development, like maybe there's just like a different type of software development you could be doing kind of like you. Yeah. It's just kind of like, what are you applying it to? I think even like, I think one of the things about like, for example, being a product designer and not coding, but like you're essentially designing something for a team of engineers who are going to implement it. And it's like throughout those teams that I've been on, I've seen engineers who just like love, like see love backend, but hate front end and engineers who love front end and hate back end. But then engineers who are also like very specific in what they do, like they love coding like UI elements or they love like understanding reacts like to the T or like, like they love componentizing like an entire product and like software space. And I was like, you can like really hone in on like what you really like and just like, even like, just, just like find what you like to do Like in the same way that there are designers who, you know, love designing design systems and they're designers who love designing consumer products. And then they're designers who love designing business to business products. It's just like finding the, you can like find the specific thing in the realm that's like, yeah, this is my thing, basically. Um, and like find the, the spot that you thrive in across the space. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm also curious. So with your whole journey going into, you know, product designer, um, MIT Media Lab, everything you've been doing, what would you say is the best lesson that you've learned about yourself in pursuing that dream to where you are now? I don't know, just in hindsight, I realized how determined I am, I guess, like determined and like it takes, it takes a lot, like it takes a lot of like drive and like jumping off of like a, not jumping off of a cliff, but like jumping into like <laughs> unknown waters, I guess, taking risks on yourself and like believing in like the things that in your, in your mind are like so big to you. And it's like you get there and you like have to like digest it and realize, okay, wow, this is achievable. Like I did this and you like get used, like you, I always find myself in these cycles where like I have this big dream, then I get to the thing and it's like, I have to battle the imposter syndrome while I'm in the thing, build my confidence while I'm in the thing, feel secure in that confidence. Then my brain goes like, okay, cool. What's the next thing? (laughs) Like what's the next like zone of discomfort? to venture into but it takes a lot of energy to like build yourself up to like being courageous enough to like get into that next zone but it's kind of like in the back of my mind I know that like I never want to like just stay in because like all the times I have stayed in a comfort zone just didn't turn out well the time that I was like again not believing that I could go to grad school I'm just kind of like in my comfort zone of like product design which funnily enough at one point was not a comfort zone. <laughs> so it was like, um, and then like when I, I remember when I got like a, I got an internship at a company that I really wanted to be at. And then I was just kind of like in the comfort zone of that internship and then didn't get the full-time position there. But then it was like, you know, did I just get used to, you know, the, just like being here and not trying hard enough. So it's kind of just like always remembering to push, push myself. Um, 
and be tenacious enough to go after it, especially especially as a woman in technology, especially as a black woman in technology. Like you don't, you're very used to like not seeing yourself around in the space and like trying to figure out how to navigate those spaces, how to exist in them, how to like, you know, find your footing in those spaces and just like adjust to from place to place, like city to city is a very hard thing to do. Um, so yeah, maybe it's like, tenaciousness but then also maybe like a little in hindsight a little bit of pride of how like um how kind I am to myself (laughs) over time (laughs) to be like it's okay it takes time there's gonna be peaks and valleys um you're gonna have like even as like people think like you're just like riding success like they don't see the <laughs> the crap that happens every day and like the the lows and the highs and like all of it that is always happening so yeah yeah I mean that even you know speaks to you know me reaching out to you I saw all the cool stuff you're doing on Instagram we popped on I was like oh my god like you're doing so much cool stuff you're like yeah like there it's rough though you know there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it, is, it is like really cool but it's like at the same time it's like I am like I'm like figuring it out like it's like it's a new world it's like you know, I have this like dream in my mind. I'm like trying to figure out how to get there. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to like, you know, after after I'm not a student, you know, how do I sustain my life off of this? It's like the next thing to figure out. And it's like, you know, there's steps. And it's like very, very happy for like all the success that has come along the way. And like my friends reminding me to like um, step back and be proud of myself. Like I have this really bad habit of like getting a thing and that, that should be like a celebration but then like going into like a bubble of anxiety, like, oh my God, like this thing is happening or like, what did I like, almost like, did I deserve this? Is something going to fall through? It was kind of like, it's kind of like that feeling of, you know, the feeling of when you graduated and you didn't believe that you graduated until you saw the degree in the mail. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like, it was like every single time something happens and it's like, okay, cool. You got this thing. It's like, have I really got like, it's, it's like my brain doesn't believe I've gotten it until I'm like in it. I'm like, okay, cool. I've gotten it <laughs> but it's like that gap is like my my, fa- my family and friends have to remind me yo chill celebrate <laughs> like you got the thing like it's gonna happen and I mean like if it falls through it falls through that's life like things just don't work out sometimes but like right now you have it be happy celebrate it like celebrate all the small things along the way all the big and small things so yeah have people around you to remind you of that. <laughs> yeah. It's so important. You need a support network for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what do you think is next for you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's good. Just yeah. keep riding the know. wave. Yeah. In the back of my mind, so I, I have taken like steps to like figure out like what is the future for me, but I, I'm going to keep it private until it happens. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I have, I have like things figured out of like what I would like to do. But at the same time, I'm like, again, like figuring out like, you know, just like what, what is the formula or the recipe to like keep this in my life, to sustain a life off of it, you know, to be an artist in it and kind of like known in the world as like a, a media artist. And it's, it's, it is kind of daunting because it is one of those worlds where, again, you know, women are like few and far in between. So it's kind of like all of these like giants who are in like the media art space are usually like, you know, no offense to them, love them, love them and all their work. And they, they mentor me. 
So I'm not like, I'm obviously not against them, but it's like, you know, like the, the world that was out there, because like media arts came from like technology research and like art research and like those like high level of like research spaces that existed at universities, which across the board has been, you know, male. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like figuring out this world of like this new space and like how to exist in it and how to thrive in it and also like find your community in it, find the women who are in it, find the pockets of people who support each other and just like figure it out and like figure out how to establish myself in that space is kind of like a, a step I'm trying to take. Um, but I'm going to take it slowly and I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Can't wait to check in and see, you know, where you end up another year, two years, three years down the line. I guess 10 years too. <laughs> You know, do you, do you know that um series, the series on YouTube with Billie Eilish, and I think it's like Billie Eilish and Vanity Fair or something where every year she in, they ask her a set of questions in the interview and she's been doing it for seven years straight, I think. So they have like the same interview with herself from like 2016 now or something like that, or like whatever the, the math is. But, like they have like 16 year old Billie Eilish and now like 20 something year old Billie Eilish, like the same questions over years. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's really cool. Like she like reflects on like what her answers were like a year ago. But yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, we should do that for podcast guests. Every year you have the same podcast guests. You don't have to find new people. (laughs) Oh, cool. So I have two closing questions for you. So we'll wrap up. First one is what is one thing that listeners can do to support you? Well, I mean, I mean, one thing that listeners can do to support me, I mean, obviously, check out my work <laughs> um I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the self-plugger here um check out my work it is honestly the ways to see my work is through social media like Instagram Twitter um at Chelsea Elise C-H-E-L-S-I-A-L-I-S-E um there's an underscoring between that on Twitter but I mean the thing that I was really thinking about honestly when you asked that question was honestly support organizations who like help create community around media arts and teaching media arts and like learning media arts. I'm thinking of schools like SFPC, which runs off of donations and runs off of like um, community being willing to donate their money and time. So like they're having their fundraiser um, currently. So I would say donate to SFPC, um, donate to organizations who kind of like help champion either design or computer science um, for people from all backgrounds. Some organizations that come to mind are like Girls Who Code, um, Black Girls Who Code, um, Interact Project, who else, um, in tech. There's like, a, there's a bunch of um, organizations out there. I would say like support the kind of like community-based organizations who are doing a lot of the work to like give people safe spaces to like explore and learn these areas in like a very like inclusive, experimental, like it's it's an institute obviously but like non like paying institution like these like spaces that teach people um these things i'll say is the best way to support me support the community but yeah amazing uh you mentioned it briefly just now but how can people connect with you what is the best way to reach out instagram at chelsea elise so at c h e l s i a l i s e um twitter um well let's see how long twitter is still there um but um at chelsea underscore elise so c-h-e-l-s-i underscore a-l-i-s-e yeah i'd say those are the places so also check out the work of the future sketches group and all the amazing group members in that group and the work that they're doing 
Um, you can find the Future Sketches work um, on the Media Lab website at media.mit.edu. Um, if you search the Future Sketches group, it'll pop up and you'll see all the awesome work that all the group members are doing. Um, but yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world. Remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi, this is Chelsea Lee's talking. I'm a media artist and product designer in the Future Sketches group at the MIT Media Lab. I essentially use code to make art and I also design software for us to use. I'm based in Boston, even though I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.